you're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. And, uh, oh my gosh, Herds. <laughs> Is that your reaction? I love it. I have this reaction for two things. First of all, it's the last episode of the year. Yeah. Our review season is up next, so uh, it's it's I, I'm I'm feeling a bit of an emotional high at the yeah, moment. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Be end of our what third year? I can't believe we've made it this far. And uh, Nev March's murder in Old Bombay, yeah, chapters forty two to the end, was crazy, insane, crazy. Can I just put a fact out there? Not to necessarily get into the mystery, but did you know that the the core of the mystery is wrapped up? Four-fifths of the way into the story. And this is a long book. Yes. So the last, like most of the last third, I don't want to do the maths on this, but just trust me. Most of the <laughs> last third of the book, of the eighth of the, anyway, like is full of just crazy drama and action and people being shot and romantic subplots being fulfilled. Like- it's crazy how even though this started off in the first our first week that we did this, it, it felt like a murder mystery. But the longer this goes on, the more genres it tries to cover and the broader it feels. While still, I would say, doing an excellent job of keeping Jim, our protagonist, front and center the whole time. Yeah, I really enjoy this as a book to conclude the year with because I feel like it does so many things that other books we've covered this year have succeeded less at to be as generous as I possibly can. Sure. And pulls it off in just absolutely gorgeous style, particularly thinking of uh, Murder on the Way by Theodore Roscoe. There is a stretch of chapters very similar to what we get in the back third of this novel here uh, that I won't spoil, but I was reading this and thinking to myself, God, if only Theodore Roscoe had, like, written something this good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is the only novel, I think, that could get away with murdering a small child in an absolutely gut-wrenching scene But then at the end of the book saying, and everything was fine. And also all of the bumbling policemen like save the day at the end. Like that's, it's so crazy. The, the breadth of this story, but we get to this scene where he's about to leave and he's like, ah, Diana, she's young enough to, to have time to wait for me and old enough to understand that we cannot be together. And she says, my trunks are on board the ship that you're, you're traveling on. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, uh, the news reporter guy, Tom, uh, Tom Byram, and General McIntyre and General Greer, both of which are characters who have basically sent Jim to his death during the novel at separate points. <laughs> I think the one major criticism I have of this book. How dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah. And this is like the most lukewarm thing for you as a reader, but it's just, I don't think it fits the format of this show particularly well. Eh. Don't get me wrong. There are three cleanly divided sections that are brilliantly identifiable as their own piece of the story. And you've probably felt that over the past uh, couple of weeks. But the thing that was kind of weird is I, I got to the end of the book and thought to myself, oh God, I wish I'd said something different in the previous couple of episodes. I was wondering, there were some things that you didn't say last week that I thought were pretty obvious. I mean, like, there's the mystery side of that. Don't get me wrong. The mystery side, I I didn't do a particularly great job at solving this one, even though I got a lot of stuff, but because I was so distracted by some parts. You you weirdly got, 
while we're in in the realm of of criticisms and like things that are weird about the novel, you got the part that uh, when you talked about Diana going away to 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 England and like having an education and meeting Akbar and like that's going to be her parallel with Jim. You are one hundred percent correct, but all that we get of that is the realization that that is the truth, and then he and then she she shoots him, <laughs> and that's it. Like this, that plot point that you were describing last week, the way you talked about it and the way you emphasize it and talked about how smart Nev March was, that is the one plot point that is not developed properly. I think at all. Like, well, that's that's the thing is I think that it's a it's a major piece of this novel's construction is. that it I is. still think is very clever, mm-hmm. but because. It's more of a, like, just a background tool. You know, it's the hammer with which Nev March nails in one of the story's points. Nails Jim's heart to the wall, yeah. I feel as though last week I've effectively wasted a lot of time on discussing something that I think was really cool, just didn't need to be, like, that long about it. It did lead to some fun moments where I remember last week you, as I said, you were really enjoying Harpy on Diana, and I said, okay, so what what does she do? Like, how does she fit into the actual deaths of these characters or like what's happening with Kasim and Kasim is a character. Um, like the main character, Jim even says, I, I reckon Kasim might not even be that boy that fell under the train tracks. And you didn't mention any of that. And I don't know if that's because you thought that was just a really obvious thing um, or because you just forgot it. I think it's a bit of both. I, I think, I think it was like, because I had a piece of the puzzle still incomplete in my mind, I was uh, you know, hesitant to acknowledge things that I didn't feel as certain about. Sure, sure. That's fair enough. My method is repetition and determination. And so when that hasn't worked for me, I'm like, oh, well, if this is wrong, then maybe all of it's wrong. And it, it, anyway, uh, the, the other thing that I thought was like really interesting coming into this that you kind of touched on is how fast we get our answers. Like, yes, yes. Effectively, chapter 43 through 45 gives away most of the game. Yeah, I had to get a really hard cutoff when I was like, which chapters do we do? How much of this book can I actually give you before we start getting explicit answers? Because it it doesn't happen for a long while. We go on our journey to Lahore and then we go and save some military men who are trapped in the crags. And then as soon as we get back, it's time for answers. It's It's time. We go now. We ride tonight. We die tonight. It was so bizarre because as I was reading it, I as a reader could immediately tell like, oh yeah, this is the truth. We're just getting the truth. But it came so early in the story mm-hmm. and I felt like it, it was a good sign of how like engaging the novel was that you knew to trust Nev March at that point rather than having your mystery brain engaged and going like, oh, well, we've still got about a third of the book left to go, so this can't possibly be the truth. Well, there's that, that knee-jerk reaction that I certainly have when I'm reading murder mysteries where I say, well... I feel like I'm getting too straight of of an answer. Is the puzzle less like which answer is true and more can I trust the answers that the characters are giving me? But even in the early parts of the novel, most of the characters that we talk to, it's not that they're they're lying. Like Diana is lying, obviously, and and Akbar and Kasim are lying, but they don't. They never talk on camera. Um, they lie to other people who then give the detective misinformation. That's that's sort of the modus operandi. I, I, I'm interested there because I don't really feel as though any character actually does anything except omission, barring Diana. That's what I mean, right? Like, we don't get all of the pieces of information because 
we we just we just don't know what Akbar is up to. Very few characters actually know what's going on. Um, like the closest that we get, I think, is the the burkers under the table, and like there were these two men who were sitting there just doing nothing, and they're definitely not suspicious. We don't know anything about them, right? The other thing that I did like on that front there is that Diana is a character the entire time along yes. has had like trust issues with Jim, but of course Jim is being honest the entire time. He can't not be honest. Uh, and that's, of course, a sign that Diana is the one that's lying. So then when we get to the end and they finally get to be together, we've kind of had that very blatant realization that her last secret is out, right? Like they finally told the truth to each other. And that's the way that they effectively earn their life together narratively. Yeah, there's there's a moment where Jim's trying to figure out who the, the traitor is, who the imposter is. And he says, what if it's... What if it's the reporter? Here are all the reasons why Tom Byram could have done it. And he says, you, sir, you are the traitor. And and the, the book reads, saying, and this is a fantastic trick that Nev March uses many times. It says, you know, I, Jim, I understand when a person that I am speaking to, their mask falters and they realize they've been found out. And I didn't see it in Byram. I've hecked up. I've broken this old man's heart. I am an idiot and I hate myself. <laughs> It's such a sad moment. And, and of course, Diana's then the one to rush in. It's like, oh, Byram, it couldn't be you. It's so good. I love that dynamic. Oh. There is uh, a lot of a lot of charm to the way that it pulls that just absolute catastrophe Diana's off. Diana's charming. I'm just saying she would she would deceive me in a heartbeat. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I suppose we should uh, we should tidy that discussion up there and uh, prepare ourselves, herds, for the last mystery section of the year. The last mystery ever of this year. You're listening to Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour here on 2SER 107.3. We'll be back with more of that in just a second. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Welcome. Happy nearly Christmas to the end of the year. We are joined once again on the line by Nev March, the author of what I can only describe as the incredible murder in old bombay nev it's so good to have you back and i have to say as i was reading through this book i had so many moments thinking to myself my goodness this woman is so much smarter than me i i'm i've just been so impressed reading this novel through at the absolutely ludicrous ways you managed to tell a narrative that is inherently so disjointed but collectively just so well bound together. Wow, thank you. I'm delighted to hear that it it hung together. At the end. <laughs> yes, the, the trouble with the story, sometimes it takes over. I know people on the impression that the author is actually writing the story. I have a feeling that the story is writing the author. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes the story does take over and um, you make a choice early in the book for example, I made Captain Jim a boxer. I wanted him to have some chops, you know, like he can solve this. He's a tough guy. Uh, oh, okay, there's a little Chekhov's gun problem there because now the moment you make a person a boxer, you're going to have a, have a boxing fight in the <laughs> <laughs> novel. So it's also bad for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. You cannot unwind that once it has happened. Uh, similarly, you know, he's an ex-army officer, so... Uh, you're going to have some army stories, and I base these a lot of them on uh, actual history and stories that my uh, family members have had uh, taught uh, about 
uh, in fact, um, the secret at the heart of the entire book, the big secret, the reason the girls died is based upon my family history. Yep. That was one thing that escaped me. You know, I'd, I'd managed to reach the point at which I was like, okay, there's something in the Framji's past that's a piece of blackmail that's holding it together, but I couldn't quite wrap my head around what that was. And I thought it was really interesting that as one of many examples through this book of where Jim's personal story parallels everyone around him. You know, Jim is in so many ways an embodiment of the story within the story. You know, how, do, how do you fit all of these storylines into one character? Why do that? These are stories that demand to be told. So the main thread in the entire story is Jim's search for redemption he thinks he's done something horrible. He, he's disenchanted with the army. He's beat up. He's essentially got to leave the army because he's not no longer really fit for active duty. And he's thinking, oh, what should he do? So through the story, he's making new friends. He's joining civilian society and he's uh, somewhat adopted by the Framji family. So you follow his mental journey, his emotional journey from that beat up guy to a few reveals because he's not got it right. <laughs> this is the charm of writing an unreliable but lovable narrator <laughs> is you're rooting for you know him to figure things out, but frequently he figures them out wrong or mm -hmm. gets into trouble. He gets derailed. Like we get derailed when we're doing something or trying to go somewhere. Hey, I'd like to go to India yeah, when there's a pandemic going on. I hope on. the audience never sees the script we had prepared for this interview because it's gone. It will never happen. <laughs> it's already it gone. We're only one question in this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you get me going, there's no stopping me. There isn't. No stopping us either. This is a, this is a mutual <laughs> crime. Sure. Yeah. We're all accomplices here. That's half yeah, the fun, though. I complete that thought. Um, you know, there's just this, this main thread and then around it are these twisting um, storylines of Jim's um, discoveries around the murder. It's almost like as I was writing, there's this question of what's the worst thing that can happen to an investigator? <laughs> and mm -hmm. sure enough, it's going to happen. The difficulty with those ancillary storylines is making them all come together with a reason, and they must. Folks that run through the book too quickly don't realize how important the Botanical Adventure is to his ultimate resolution of the romance story plot. Um, because without that, uh, the Framjis essentially would not be able to give him their blessing. That's so interesting. As I was gonna ask, just to because we're all we're in, you know, full spoiler territory. Uh, <laughs> Like this novel swings between uh, the, the way that we kind of broke it down to three weeks. Like the first week, everyone's kind of okay and happy. We're hanging out with the Framgies. The second week is hell. And then the third <laughs> week, like there's a lot of ups and downs in the, in the third oh, part yeah. of the story. But by oh. the end, it's almost like sickly sweet. It's not 100% resolved, but like we, we go from child murder to, and then he gets the girl and, and he gets the girl and saves the day. Like, how do you justify having such such wild mood swings, I guess, in your mind? Oh, yeah. Is that it real has, to you? Like It has a feeling of an epic and some things just, you know, have to come out right. So the original ending I had written Ooh, was for him yes. to leave Bombay. Walking out, he's, he's ready to start over, but he's got a sense of himself. A personal victory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a win some, lose some situation, right? 
is where I was going to leave it. And then uh, it occurred to me that Diana's story isn't isn't done and that she's um, just creative enough to figure this out. Sometimes the solutions don't come from within us. They come from those around us. Uh, and she picked it up and, um, you know, solves it using some things that actually did happen. So in my community, for some peculiar reason, there are hundreds of little bitty trusts and endowments. And the reason I realized, you know, a little bit of uh, reality check is probably we were purchasing some sort of exclusions to breaking some rules. You know, if, if your daughter wanted to go and marry outside the community, that's a huge stain on the family, but you might get a pass if you endowed a charity for widows and orphans. So uh, I came across that as a um, possible solution to this issue. Uh, the other part of it is the, in, the Parsis were enormously well entrenched with the British administration. And I was thinking, okay, well, maybe they saw these army contracts <laughs> that, you know, people would wink at because they know where it came from, but it, it's a form of corruption, certainly. But there might actually have been an honorable origin to that little um, handshake agreement. I was wondering because uh, there are a couple of characters. You know, there's the there's a General McGreer and McIntyre and uh, Byron. Like <laughs> they they are the ones who allow Diana to run off with Jim in the end. They're almost the true heroes of the story in like a weird way. And it's it's interesting that you brought the idea of like, well, it is it is corruption. You know, maybe maybe these laws shouldn't be bent and these little handshake deals shouldn't be happening. But it is what allows for the happy ending, right? It is, it so, is indeed. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think it's reality, right? There's there's good and bad. To to have a, a investigator focused story, you know, where none of that happens to me felt but feels false. Uh, you know, we are not the center of the universe. <laughs> the, the, you know, we each have our own universe, and uh, yeah, sometimes other people's goals don't align. So now deal with that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you say Jim isn't the universe here, but. I did make the point at the start that Jim manages to parallel everyone's stories. And I know that we have a follow-up called Peril at the Exposition coming along. So oh, no. how does how is Jim possibly going to fit all of the new characters in his new setting into himself for what whatever becomes his next venture? So the sequel, Peril at the Exposition, um, I will tell you for the first time ever that a lot yes. of- Yes, <laughs> exclusive. A lot of it is in Diana's voice. <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, that girl, she can talk. She has a whole new story, whole new mystery to solve. Uh, it will be out in July of next year. But I'm going to tell you right up front. Uh, Jim goes missing at the end of the first chapter. Oh, yes. That's exciting. That's a great way to deal with them. I'm excited. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Ben, you knew that was coming, Felix, because... She's always worried when he disappears. Mm-hmm. It's their run out to him. price in Murder No Bombay. So, of course, in the sequel, he disappears. I love oh it. Oh, my goodness. I'm I so it. ready. <laughs> I Did she get a little, oh, what do they call it, handguns? You, like, you hide under your... Under your, under your yeah, she has a two yes. Derringer. She's allowed that. Derringer. Because so I remember it was hinted. hides in the muff. That's the one. It was hinted in the story that she had one when, during the burglary attack. I remember that. Uh, and she, oh, I'm so ready for her to become a super spy. It's going to become Diana's super spy adventures. I'm so ready for her to become 
the true hero. <laughs> well, there you go. I am incredibly oh, excited for that. Unreasonably I'm excited, ready. Herds. I'm ready. I know you are well, as well. Now you, think- you have to assume. We're covering that next year. That's happening. Or, you know, whenever we can. Whenever it happens. Whenever it happens. Now, thank you so much for your time here on Death of the Reader. It has been an absolute gem wrapping up the year with this excellent book. And it's been wonderful hearing your insights. Thank you. I have had so much fun. And thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for being on. You're listening to Death of the Reader. We are discussing Nev March right there. And her book, Murder in Old Bombay. Stick around. This is your Murder Mystery World Tour here on 2SER 107.3. You're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. We are here in what will be the last mystery section of 2021 for Death of the Reader. Nev marches, murder in old Bombay, all the way to the end. Yeah. And Herds, it I, I just I need to know out the gate. Verdict. I look. How many points am I walking away with? I think it's gonna be two points, my friend. I can live with that. You did an excellent job last week of hammering out one particular pop plot point. It was very clever of you to spot that plot point. Unfortunately, it was the <laughs> least important secret in the pile of secrets. Diana, you you obviously fingered as like, obviously Diana is related to Akbar, but the actual truth of what's what's going on here is that Akbar is uh, and Kasim, Kasim is is involved with this with this whole plot trying to blackmail the Frangis because he wants revenge on the family for kicking him out because he he got too close to Pilu, basically. Well, I, th- I thought that was really interesting to me because, like, I, reading that reveal in the book, and I want to say it was, like, chapter 48 or something. It was very early, yeah. Yeah, I went, like, oh, I knew that. Mm. Why didn't they say that? I don't like, know. that's so obvious. <laughs> but honestly, Kasim isn't as important a character as Akbar. Akbar is the true mastermind, and his motivation for doing everything he's doing is money so that he could overthrow the British, which is a big one, which you, you definitely didn't mention, um, and also Revenge on Diana, which ties into what you fingered last week. Um, those are these two primary motivators. Yeah, I mean, well, that was that was the most frustrating thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I love being bested at the murder mystery game. Like, if I, if I didn't feel a genuine sense of challenge in a novel, I wouldn't recommend it as a mystery. And I definitely felt and was bested by the sense of challenge here, though it's like a different style of challenge to what we normally cover on the show, or at least to what I I normally end up covering on the show. Mm -hmm. Because as we were saying last week, we normally present to each other what was hard to us, but these past couple of novels, we've presented something that was easy to us, but bested the other, which has actually been like really fun, I think. The twist in this book and uh, it's worth reading the author's note, if, especially if you have the, the ebook of this, because Nev March talks about how in her real life, her I believe it was her her grandfather. I think you're wrong, but I think I think it was her grandmother's grandfather. Grandmother's grandfather. There you go. I knew it was it was grand something. Point is, one of her ancestors was part of the mutiny that is mentioned in this novel. And they have a 150-year-old letter detailing what is described in the novel, which is um, the the Sepoys being ordered to execute their fellow countrymen. That's what the blackmail is. It's this letter from this Framji ancestor this in the story saying, I killed so many people. I killed all these fellow Indians. And if this ever gets out, we'll be disgraced and we'll be contradicting the the British side of the story, which is that it really wasn't that bad, guys. Don't worry about it. Like, and that's why the blackmail is so important in this story. Akbar wants it to get out so that he can 
he, he wants to blackmail them so he can get money, but he also wants to get the letter out so that they can start a new rebellion. Going back to what we were discussing in the first section of the show today, that was one of the things that I felt like I had overlooked, not because I hadn't noticed it, but because I didn't really know how to discuss it. I don't have the historical knowledge to like appreciate other than, you know, with a vague understanding of the past of the British empire, like what went down in India. So despite knowing that this was obviously part of the motive for the crime and the motive for almost everything that was going on, I was like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't really talk about that. That's Probably still a sensible choice, but also meant that there's a lot of the book that I feel we've left untouched and will still in some ways have to leave untouched and for the guests that we've had on these past uh, three episodes to explore. Also, read the book, you know? Like, if you are listening to this discussion, you're thinking, wow, it seems like there's a lot going on in this book. Read it. It's well worth doing. It is uncomfortable in places. It touches on a lot of really nasty topics. Um, it's also, you know, mystery adjacent, so it's a little bit off brand for the show, but I would say that this is no less mystery adjacent than a Sherlock Holmes novel. I don't think that's no, I agree. I agree. I I think any, anyone would be happy with us reading Sherlock Holmes and by extension (laughs) legally is obligated to be happy with us reading this novel. You can't complain, but yeah, like just, just read the book, you know, and then come listen to, listen to us chat about this again you know, in the future. No, I, I thought that the other thing that was peculiar about the mystery to me was the, I, I guess the, the payoff of uh, what actually happened in the crime. I mean, the solution is that Barcher threw herself off the building. That's why she lands closer to the tower. And then Akbar is like, oh no, we've been discovered. Quick, throw the little girl over the edge. That's a distraction. <laughs> Like, okay, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, she's the only one that could, like, you know, attest to what had happened there. I mean, sure, sure. But, like, it, it does feel a bit... It's it not silly. Silly isn't the right word. Listen, if it was anyone other than a human trafficker, I, I would maybe agree that it's a far-fetched solution. But for someone who's, like making their money from not caring about people's lives. I was going to say, he does make a point during the final confrontation, which is why it's so great that Diana shoots him. Jim's trying to stall for time, and he says, so what about those women you threw at the tower? He's like, what does it matter? They're women. <laughs> like, yeah. he's a sexist, awful, human trafficking, murderous prince and weirdly at the same time i don't feel like he's he's a caricature no in some ways he has all of the like tropes of a caricature sex trafficker from fiction on him but it is sold in such an effective package that it gets to the end and i'm like yeah you take that bullet akbar (laughs) i mean there's there's a speaking of history and perception like there is an alternate telling of this where Jim is the one who gets shot and then Prince Suleiman of Ranjbut uh, becomes, you know, the new hero prince of of India, right? Um, I mean, and that's that's always like the eternal uh, turmoil of historical crime fiction is that so often they're like, are, you know, not always obviously, but often there are good motivations for like, the tumultuous times in human history. You know, it's so difficult to 
keep an objective view on, especially writing a historical novel. Like I'm going to put my own personal experiences and, and cultural experiences into this historical novel. I have great respect for the way that uh, Nev March has portrayed the British and the Indians um, and, and all the different tribes and, and the, the Parsis and showing how backwards all of these groups can be, but also how they can come together uh, and, and, you know, be better people going forward. I think that's great. Call me a sap, but I, I will absolutely 100% champion those sorts of endings every time they Speaking happen. Speaking of being better people going forward, Uh-oh. Uh, that's not us. We, (laughs) what's going on flex? It is time to, uh, wrap up death of the reader for this year. Review season is going to be on for the next five weeks. I think it is. Yeah. Sounds right. To around mid to late January. So stay tuned. We'll have reviews of all of the books that we have covered over 2021 and some other special features in there and some good tunes as we hang out over the Christmas break. And that'll uh, allow us to kick off with a new novel at the uh, the start of next year. Yes. So make sure you're tuned in to find out what that book is, because we haven't even decided yet. We don't actually know ourselves. We don't even know. We'll have to see what the future holds. On Death of the Reader 2022. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us over the course of this year. It has been such a wonderful experience for us getting to explore crime fiction. And I feel, I don't know about you, Hodes, but like rediscover our love for it. We were out pretty burned out on crime fiction at the end of 2020. And I think that the stories we've shared and the discussions that we've had this year have like really brought me back. Uh, from a place where I was considering even continuing the show. So that's all right. I mean, look, I've been enjoying all the wonderful Japanese novels and all the weird stuff. I think I just need to bring more weird stuff to the table, stuff that isn't even necessarily murder mystery fiction. I feel like that's where we need to go. But we'll we'll decide on that before next year comes. You know? we, we have some fun plans for the new year, but I won't uh, commit to anything lest we promise to write a novel Let's again. Let's not... Sh- don't mention that. We're not supposed to... Uh, you're breaking up. Oh, no. I think we're out of time. <laughs> it uh, It has been an absolute blast. We'll see you next year. This is Death of the Reader, Nev March's Murder in Old Bombay. Thank you so much for joining us here on 2SER 107.3.